You're listening to Bridge the Gap Season 4, a podcast dedicated to inform, educate, and influence the future of housing and services for seniors. This podcast is powered by supporting partners Propel Insurance, Inquire, LTC REIT, The Bridge Group Construction, and Salinity. Learn more at btgvoice.com. Welcome to Bridge the Gap Podcast, the senior living podcast with Josh and Lucas. We are in Nashville at the Thompson Hotel. We're finally getting in front of some of our long, long friends, and we have uh, the one and only Eric Mendelson on our program today. Welcome, Eric. Greetings. Great to be here. Yes. Welcome back to the program. You know, the last time you were on the show, you looked at me and you said, look, I've done enough shows. Don't ask me again. But... I humbly requested again, and you humbly accepted. So thanks for coming back on. I feel like Tom Hanks on Saturday Night Live. <laughs> keeps coming back. I know it. I know it. Well, it's look, we're really excited to uh, to to be able to uh, you know reconnect. And um, 2020 has been a wild ride. Um, Indeed, a lot of ups and downs. Um, there's been mostly some, down, <laughs> a, lot, a lot of downs, right? Um, and you know, there's some some real life stories that are taking place in our industry. You know, this this podcast started. Uh, you know, several. Uh, this is our third season. Eric, you were there right in the beginning. I remember it very, very vivid. Sitting down at, at dinner here in Nashville with you as we were getting this thing really kind of rolling, and and uh, you were so gracious to to come alongside us and say, "I want to be an advocate." for you guys. This is something that's necessary and needed. And it's all been, yes, our mission is to educate, inform, and influence. Um, But we're also trying to change public perspective of what the senior living industry is, this little known industry that's not talked about very much. Now, this year in 2020, the most talked about industry on the planet. We're headliners. (laughs) That's right. Headlining, right, right. Kind of a bittersweet headline. Um, Mm -hmm. And that narrative um, has been commandeered by major media outlets, and the 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 narrative has not been very pretty. Um, and yes, there's been some major, major challenges, um, but there's also been um, an industry that has stepped up to the challenge. And so, you know, given this type of a conversation, we'd love to just get some of your thoughts and insights. Well, first, I'm so happy that the Bridge the Gap podcast has taken off the way it has. I mean, I'm so proud of you guys, Lucas, Josh, Sarah, from just an idea, a twinkle in your eye, and now you're uh, an industry powerhouse and and with sponsors and blimps and a <laughs> private jet. I mean, it's just amazing how this has taken off. <laughs> Where have you been hiding that jet, Lucas? <laughs> yeah, That's what I, I, I only take Eric. So. Uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, kudos to you, I think I think it's great, and uh, to come back as a, a recurring guest is an honor. I appreciate that. Uh, like you said, it's been a, a wild year, and uh, the year started off much like any other year. In fact, it was it was getting a little bit better because uh, development was slowing down, as you likely know, and uh, occupancy was going up. And people were getting older, more people were getting older. And all of these things came together to give us a nice tailwind. Uh, So up until March, things were fantastic. Can we just talk about up till March? (laughs) Right. Can we go back? Can we go back? (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's been, I mean, it's been, um, you know, 
a lot of, of challenges. I think there's some of the bright points that we've talked about with so many guests is how in many ways the the workers in our industry who are giving so much have have come together. Um, you know, we've we've talked to a lot of people that um, the commitment of their teams um, they've really risen above what what the norm was up to this point. Um, but I think you know, as the years gone on, we have talked to a lot of people that are also just getting kind of fatigued. I mean, we were joking around a little bit, but it's very serious topic even with you before the start of the show on this topic of empathy and, you know, how many people now after months of just kind of the grind, so to speak, and um, being close to residents and those residents passing and uh, having sick family members and things like that and leaving that at home, coming to work and then going back to it and, and so forth. It wears on people, and so you find yourself, even as a leader, I think you, you've shared with us very honestly that you find yourself in a situation where maybe prior to COVID, you, you didn't have these kind of conversations where people were kind of just unloading on you on, on what is not right. And it's um, put you in an awkward situation if you're not used to trying to be very empathetic to people. So share with us some of the things that you're doing in your, you know, you, if you don't mind, share with our audience some of the things that you've had to change even in, in the way you're approaching your day job. Certainly happy to. Uh, you're absolutely right. You're having tough conversations these days with people that are not normal. You're talking about uh, death. You're talking about failure of business. You're talking about desperation. You're talking with people who are afraid of what their future holds, if they're going to be able to provide for their families, for their employees, for their residents. That's a scary place for a lot of people to be. And these are not conversations that usually happen on a business call or in a business environment. These are usually conversations between close friends or spouses uh, or uh, chaplains, you know, religious advisors. Um, so there's a lot of spirituality that enters into it. There's a lot of faith that enters into the conversation. And then I feel uh, my role, even though I can play a hand in solving the solution, um, there's some, some good advice I once got that sometimes you should just listen and sometimes you don't have to fix things. And as a guy, I think we're hardwired to fix things. Uh, sometimes you just need to listen and be quiet and make sympathetic noises. Uh, and then once you're good at making those noises, you can graduate to actual words. Like, that must be very difficult for you. Or that must be hard for you to process. And how are you doing with that? You know, how, how is that affecting you? Is that affecting your family? Uh, so just repeating those questions and listening and then, you know, if you're on a Zoom call, do, you know, turn on your camera, try and make eye contact. I, I have gotten very adept at actually looking in the camera so the person I'm talking to feels that I'm looking at them. 
So I, I think that's helpful. Well, yeah. um, you know, I, I guess what we're all hopeful for, um, at everybody's in a different situation. And I think a lot of big people just kind of feel like we're all in this together. At least you, you hope everybody feels like that, that we're all banding together as an industry to work through the challenges that we face, that we are facing with the assumption that, you know, things start pulling together and we start coming out of this at some point in the 2021 season, the 2021 year, whatever that looks like. What do you think, speaking to the business leaders in our industry, what are some of the things that maybe you've learned this year by observation that you think are things that we can take and apply as we start kind of rebuilding in the 2021 and years to come? Is there anything that's something that you think is applicable? Absolutely. I believe it was Rahm Emanuel who said, never waste a good crisis. Mm -hmm. Uh, And he was referring to the financial crisis. I think this crisis is a learning and teaching moment for a lot of people. I think that it is instructive that things don't always go as you plan, uh, that, that values and prices don't always go up and that failure happens notwithstanding your best efforts, notwithstanding your best preparation, that uh, good people can fail. Uh, And I think a lot of people forgot that, uh, which, which sounds odd, but it has to do with demographics. If you were of a certain age and grew up during the recession, then you probably knew that. Mm-hmm. But if you were a little bit older or a little bit younger and the recession was just a, you know, a blip for you, then all you know is from 2010, it's been a rocket ship economy and the good times have been rolling. And if you started working in 2010, everything's always going to be great forever. Sure. Yeah. Well, it is a unique perspective. You're right. Because um, I think when I got in in this industry and I kind of consider it my adult life, you know, my first real job in the industry was 05. And so we were on an up and then hit that 2008. I lived through that. Thankfully, I was at that point in my career on somebody else's dime. But I saw I was close enough to see and learn some lessons. Um but I can imagine, like you said, if, if all you had ever known was past 2010, then this is, this is for sure. I mean, this year's been rough for anybody, no matter what you've lived through. But uh, that would be a unique perspective and how quickly things can turn. Um, and, and maybe some implication on, on um, even humility, uh, you know, I think, uh, and, and humbleness and, and realizing that at any point, whether, whether you're good or not good, the rug can be jumped uh, in, and the great equalizer can come. And so I think that's a great lesson. Are there any other things that you've observed this year? Well, that, that was one lesson. The other lesson is uh, one my grandmother used to preach, and that is save for a rainy day. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and I've seen so many businesses that did not do that and so many people that did not do that. They were living off of credit or living off of loans, and um, that... That, I think, is something that should be 
uh, encouraged by bankers and financial people like me uh, often. You know, I think we should demand that people have more reserves and have more discipline. Uh, whether or not that yeah. occurs is, a, is another matter. Well, I think all of our grandparents would echo that for sure. I know <laughs> uh, I'm of the age where my grandparents part of that greatest generation, um, much different than my parents raised me, just a, a, a generation away. Uh, but it's amazing the different um, kind of living, lifestyle, spending, saving choices that those generations make. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, I think uh, we're, we're probably all hearing that. Mm -hmm. So let me ask you, let's switch gears a little bit because I think those are great lessons. We, Lucas and I, over the course of the last several months, uh, as we've been talking with different operators, you get a little bit of a, you know, nobody knows what's happening in the future, but we're getting kind of a mixed bag. Some some folks, we just had a podcast and someone was very favorable on what they thought occupancy was going to bounce back in um, next year. And you talk to others, they're like iffy at best. And um, so I'd love to know your opinion on that, but really look at it through the lens of what public perception, how public perception has an impact on that. Not maybe in the past we've talked about, well, what is regulatory environment doing to shut down admissions because they're not letting people in. But we talk a lot on this show about perception of our industry and, and there's been some bad PR as of late shed on our, but what do you, how do you think we're going to respond to that as an industry? Is that going to have a bearing in the future years to come? Well, on the, the occupancy part of the question, I am so thankful that England is advancing the vaccine ahead of us today. Mm -hmm. As a matter of fact, people are being, thousands and thousands of people are being vaccinated right now. Uh, and I think that's great. And I, I think that that will demonstrate to our residents, our workers, that it's safe and that it's effective and uh, that we can model that and, and use that as a, as a good example. So um, I think we're lucky that that's happening. Uh, if, if they were going after us, I think there would be a lot of controversy about that. Uh, so, so I think that will help roll out the vaccine and normalize the taking of the vaccine, which I think is important. Uh, your second question about the PR and the recovery of our industry. I can tell you that people have short memories and that um, back when I worked at Emeritus and we had over 500 buildings, if, if, a, if we took over a company that had reputational damage, we would take extra care to put up new signage, new decor, new paint, new carpet, new furniture, uh, in many cases, new leadership in the building. And within six months, people forgot all about what happened there. You know, that you just were able to, to establish that. And, and my point bringing that up is this is a need-based business, and this is a, um, a business where relationships matter. So when people need to find care for their loved ones, you know, 
yes, in the back of their mind, they're going to wonder about the next pandemic, uh, but hopefully by then we'll have a vaccine that is prevalent in all the buildings and it, it won't be much of a won't be much of an issue. And you could even, if you were a smart marketing person, you could make it a selling point. We have the best protocols. We have, you know, rigorous cleaning. We have, you know, technology that will keep you connected to your loved ones. I mean, there are ways to turn a negative into a positive, and I know that there are people out there right now trying to do that. Mm-hmm. Well, and we've talked to so many, um, and it's been amazing how much this year has fast-forwarded so many things that probably needed to happen in our space. So on the front of technology, you know, um, how many communities prior to this year had spotty bandwidth at at best. Or no Wi-Fi Or at all. no Wi-Fi. <laughs> And then how many of those companies that were choosing not to invest in Wi-Fi and and strong networks and technology immediately, not saying that technology is always the answer, but begin to think creatively on engagement and not that we all want to be isolated and and in front of a a computer screen all the time, but using technology as an effective tool and at least having the infrastructure to deploy and be creative with technology uh, and you, you mentioned infection control, and I think, gosh, after going through this, the protocols and the constant changing of regulatory environment and protocols that the industry has had to respond to almost daily there for a little while, it seemed like, um, on what we were doing, policy and procedure changes and training and implementations and PPE, that we, I hope our industry, uh, as the consumers you pointed out, have short-term memory I hope as operators and people in the industry, we don't have short-term memory issues because those lessons that we've learned, I think, can carry forward even in the best of times. So I think that's a great So on the technology uh, front, um, let's transition to to what um, the REIT marketplace is looking for in operators moving into 2021. Um, Clearly, operators have been one of the biggest factors in success at the building, right? And so I would imagine REITs are looking for really rock star operators to manage these real estate assets. So how is technology coming into play or what what changes are you looking for? Will the REIT market be looking for in operators moving forward? Well, a, a strong backbone in technology helps. Do you even have an IT person on your team? If the answer is no, then you know we need to have a discussion. I'll give you an example. Uh, we have a small operator in Michigan who you've met, and when we first started talking with him about a transaction and working together, we talked about labor, we talked about technology, and he showed us an app that he used to manage his workforce and set schedules. And it was a restaurant app. And people would get texts. If you wanted to work extra hours, you just sent a message to the app, and it would text you what was available and what the shift was and if there was overtime. And, of course, the app knew if you were entitled to overtime, you might not get a a request. The request might go to someone who 
you know, has not yet uh, hit that threshold to, to get paid overtime. So that's a good example of someone who was using existing technology, didn't have to be created by them, uh, but it, it was unique and it was effective. So we look for things like that. And then we have another smaller operator uh, in the Carolinas, and his son is an IT wizard. And uh, they, it's a father-son team, and they work together. And the son is a, a wizard at search engine optimization, search engine marketing, uh, statistics, uh, market analysis, uh, scraping the census data, scraping the economic data, you know, scraping uh, the, the business data that's available on the U.S. Chamber of Commerce website and aggregating all of this and then producing a report that's helpful for their marketing people. So uh, I get to see a lot of unique applications of technology and, and data. Yeah, excellent. I mean, I think uh, there's so many challenges that the industry is facing. And moving into 2021, there's going to be a number of things in the technology front, marketing that you mentioned, that are going to be, uh, you know, big uh, differences in uh, raising occupancy, which is what everybody's going to need coming in and out of COVID. So uh, let's talk, uh, as we round out the show, mergers and acquisitions. What do you think next year is going to bring for opportunity for investors? And is it going to be the the list of REITs that we know of or are some outsiders going to be trying to come in with private equity because they see an opportunity? I am already fielding calls from large private equity firms, large publicly traded private equity firms. I'll leave it at that. Okay. And, <laughs> and they are convinced that, as am I, that a lot of players, new players in the space, were just not prepared for this uh, and are interested in exiting. And they will go back to self-storage or they will go back to multifamily where you know the operations component is not so difficult and complicated. So I agree. I think that there will be some distress. I would think there will be some transactions. I think you will see some players exit the business. Um, and it's been surprising to me uh, that there have been executives that have left the business in the midst of a pandemic. I, I question the, the, the idea of doing that in the midst of a crisis. Uh, so I agree, next year is gonna be big for M&A. What about um, these other industries that have been hit so hard, hotels, uh, retail? Um, it, where are those investors gonna go? What's gonna take place in these other verticals? Great question and one, uh, like you, I'm a real estate junkie, all real estate. You know, I think about it, talk about it, look at it. Uh, so I would say that things like uh, shopping malls are, you know, there's going to be some some repurposing of the, the outdoor uh, shopping malls that are not in the preferred areas and that there will be a renewed vigor 
to improve shopping malls that are in ideal locations. And there will be um, de facto shopping malls, like this neighborhood we're in right now is really an outdoor shopping mall. It has some of the same stores that that a high-end shopping mall would have, the Lululemons and, and Design Within Reach and, and places like that. So there's a natural congregation. Uh, so I, I don't think commercial space is dead, uh, like a lot of people do. I think that there will always be a need for an office for people to socialize. We're social creatures. We want to go to the office. I think that the makeup of office space will change. I think there will be uh, less private space, more public space, um, but not like we work, more like a conference center, like a NIC experience. Yeah, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Yeah, well, it makes a lot of sense. Well, there's so many um, great implications. Obviously, it's great to sit down with you in person, distanced, <laughs> so be it. But but to sit down with you again, only a couple blocks, Lucas, from where we, we had dinner. I still remember the dinner when we were just talking about this, like... Um, two years ago. Two years ago, mm-hmm. that Fall, point. Two years ago. I don't even think we had a website yet, Lucas. Nope. And, 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 you know, Eric challenged us to think, how can we do this bigger, better? And uh, kind of got us out of our comfort zones a little bit and, and then helped us do it. Yeah. So great to sit down with you. Always value your thoughts and your wisdom, your experience on the industry. I know our listeners always appreciate it um, in your hometown here in Nashville. So it's good to be here. Uh, I know our listeners will want to connect with you and NHI as always. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 so fun, and you've got a great staff uh, of of really a players. You know, a small team, but accomplish a lot. Um, you know, I'm, I'm enjoying uh, spending time uh, with Cameron Bell on your team on the Future Leaders Council. Um, despite a year of not having meetings, um, you know, Cameron and I still t- stay in touch. So um, appreciate uh, getting uh, reconnected with you and your team. We'll connect to NHI in the show notes. And thanks to everybody for listening to another great episode. Bridge the Gap. Thanks for listening to Bridge the Gap podcast with hosts Josh Crisp and Lucas McCurdy. If you were informed, educated, or influenced by this episode, we want to know. Leave a comment on social media or contact us in the show notes. Powered by supporting partners, Propel Insurance, Inquire, LTC REIT, The Bridge Group Construction, and Salinity. Learn more at btgvoice.com.